Hello, listeners. This is Mark at New Leonard Media. Today, we're going to release a special episode of the Pursuit of Podcast. And this is a continuation of something that was discussed in the final episode of 2021 with Michigan Indian Legal Services. We're going to be sitting down with Michigan Indian Legal Services, Northwestern Michigan Works, and Safe and Just Michigan to discuss the Michigan Clean Slate Law in depth and the upcoming expungement fairs. This is something that's close to home for me and I care deeply about. And so without any further ado, this is The Pursuit of Michigan Clean Slate Law. This podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. If you have questions about your particular legal situation, you should contact an attorney directly. Thank you. The Pursuit of Podcast, a purely guest-centric show focusing on people and organizations that advance positive change. Positivity can be anywhere, and in a time of vast discord, the pursuit of is finding those who champion its causes loudest. Join us as we sit and learn about the pursuits of local leaders in their community. Let's go. I'm Laura Forster. I'm an attorney with Michigan Indian Legal Services, and with me is Camus Sandford. Camus, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. My name is Kamal Sandford. I am the Clean Slate Program Manager at Safe and Just Michigan, which is a nonprofit organization that advocates for reform in the judicial system. It was also um, heavily involved with the passage of the Clean Slate Act, which is why we're here today to talk about the new expungement laws that went into effect in April of 2021. And also with me is Anna. I'll let Anna introduce herself. Hello, uh, my name is Taylor Ann Fiervento. I go by Anna. My firm is assisting Michigan Networks Northwest, Michigan Works, with expungement. So if you think you might qualify for an expungement, you can go over to your local Michigan Works office and see about their program. And my firm provides legal services to folks through there. Okay. So as Camus referenced in April of 2021, new legislation took effect here in Michigan the legislature amended the expungement statutes, so to speak, so that with this amendment, there was an increase in the number of felonies that could be set aside. So we went from one felony to three felonies, and we went from a limited number of misdemeanors to, at this point, unlimited misdemeanors. And beginning in the end of February 2022, we will be able to set aside single OUILs. All of this being said, there's still a lot of uncertainty in how felonies are counted, what the drunk driving set-asides are going to look like. What else can you think of, Camus, that I haven't touched on? Uh, well, as you've touched on, when I think of the new Clean Slate Act, I break it down in terms of the application process or the expungement by application process. And then there's the 
automated expungement program that will hopefully go into effect in 2023, at least that's the target. So what Laura mentioned was basically the eligibility requirements as it relates to somebody who is applying for an expungement through the court system. What normally happens is the person gets screened by an attorney. The attorney normally utilizes a tool called an iChat, which is a system that's run by the state, which is designed to record the individual's criminal history. And then the attorney reviews that iChat report to determine whether or not they are even eligible or not. If that person is in fact eligible, then they can proceed to the next phase of the process, which is the actual application process or applying through the court system. And that is filling out the uh, form. It's called an application to set aside conviction. It's easily found on court websites and, and you know, just by Googling the form. Ideally, you want the assistance of an attorney to help you fill out that form. Obviously, there are some additional paperwork that you need before filing for an expungement. So there's something called a certified record of conviction that the individual will have to get. The individual and hopefully their attorney will then file that paperwork with the court. They then have to mail that paperwork to a couple other agencies. And Laura, feel free to chime in if you want to interject. Sure. Um, so let me just stop you right there for a minute, Camo, um, because you mentioned in April of 2023, there will purportedly be an automated expungement process. But at this point, nobody knows what that's going to look like, is my understanding. So stay tuned for that. You also mentioned, Camus, about the iChat. And I just want to let folks know the iChat is available online. There is a $10 charge for it. Although if you stop in at your local Michigan Works office or you are financially eligible for Michigan Indian Legal Services assistance with this, we will pull them at no charge. We both have accounts with the state of Michigan, so we're able to get iChats on folks. And the iChat is just a great jumping off point. What folks need to understand and realize is the iChat is only as good as the data that's uploaded into it. So in theory, if there's a conviction anywhere here in the state of Michigan, the court having jurisdiction is to upload that information into the law enforcement information network, or lean as we call it. But what we're finding, and, and I'm sure Anna and Camus can speak to this as well, We'll have clients, in fact, I was talking to a client today that said, you know, I've got another conviction, but I don't see it on my iChat. And so that's always good to know because then we can do a little detective work and make sure that we have all the convictions lined up. Kamu, I think you also mentioned about then once we obtain the iChat, one of the three of us is sitting down and doing a fairly in-depth analysis of whether or not a person's criminal conviction and their history is eligible to be set aside or expunged. 
The reason we do this is because depending on the offense and depending on when the offense occurred or probation or parole was completed and all fines, costs, and restitution have been paid, there's a timing sequence that begins. And it depends on the crime as to how long after whatever is the latest of your sentence, your parole or probation completion, or the prosecutors throughout Michigan are requiring that all fines, costs, and restitution be paid. And this is an area that right now is ripe for appeal because it's not in the statute. But I can tell you in Northwest Michigan, the 13th Circuit here, based out of Traverse, it has taken that stance. So that's kind of where we're at with fines, costs, and restitution. And in terms of when the timing begins, it depends on the crime. So, for instance, a felony offense, there's a seven-year wait in general. If it's a serious misdemeanor, generally five years. If it's just a straight-up, nonviolent misdemeanor, then it's usually three years. And with the Clean Slate Amendment came changes in terms of the marijuana. So things that would have been a crime, say, 10 years ago and are no longer considered a crime can be set aside immediately. So with that, anything else that you can think of, guys, with the set-asides, the timing? Well, if I could jump in for a moment, how we've been, because we're talking about a lot of rules here, I think really breaking it down into how we've been addressing these with folks I've been helping over at Michigan Works. Step one is they go in and they get their eye chat. And then the expungement coordinator sends that over to me. And I take a look at that to see if they meet what we call the threshold test. These are the things that absolutely have to be met and satisfied under the law for someone to even apply for an expungement. We break these down into three general categories. The first is waiting period to see if they have satisfied the waiting period. The second is if they have the type of offenses that can be expunged because there are certain offenses that cannot be expunged under any circumstances. A lot of those are crimes that could be punished with life imprisonment, even if the person didn't receive life imprisonment, if that was a possible punishment. A lot of crimes involving juveniles and several other crimes you cannot have expunged under any circumstances. So if they meet number one, they meet the time, they meet number two, they meet the type. And then number three is we count. We see, are they exceeding those maximum numbers? I wanted to jump off a point that was made about the three felonies. There is one exception called one bad night, which I'm sorry if you were going to get to that. Under the one bad night exception, if the offenses occurred contemporaneously and within 24 hours of each other, none of them can be punished by more than 10 years imprisonment, and they would not be punishable by more than 10 years imprisonment in another state? Is that the third part of I the statute? So. I, I think, think I'm so. missing an element. It can't be an assault. If it can't cannot, be an assault. Well, they might be able to be assaultive if you don't exceed more than two assaultive crimes total. In your lifetime. In your lifetime. So anyway, that's the first part. We look at that threshold analysis. The second part is you go make an application to the judge. And we call this the judicial discretion test. Because even if you satisfy the necessary elements to apply, 
the judge can still say, no, I don't think you're reformed. And then we talk about what the individual has done, the facts and circumstances at the time or since the date of conviction, the behaviors of the applicant to warrant conviction, the language in the statute is something like that. We look at that test and we look at the things that can be helpful there. One is, have you paid your fines, costs, and restitutions? That's something that we use for folks to show that they're remorseful and that they've paid back their debt to society. If it was maybe a drug or alcohol-related offense or that played a role, did you go to AA? Do you go to NA? What are you involved in to stay sober? And have you had other instances? If it's a DV, have you been to anger management classes or anything of that nature? And all of that, we just kind of look at everything to really show that this individual has reformed their life and they are no longer going to cause any harm to society. And then the final thing we look at is, would expungement be in the public welfare? So we're specifically generally looking at employment things. Do we have someone who can move up in their career and make more money, pay more taxes, fill a very needed labor niche in our economy or whatever it is, but they cannot because of a conviction on their record? And that's something we'll really focus on. And, you know, it doesn't have to be limited to employment. Sometimes we look at volunteer opportunities. We look at folks who maybe can't participate in their kids' schooling and school activities as much as they like because they have a felony. We look at those sorts of things as well. Anything that we can show that keeping this conviction on the record, low risk of reoffense, but here's how it's harming our society, our community, our public. We're losing taxes. We're losing labor. And really pointing out those things to the judge. And I would agree with that assessment, Anna. And I think there's been a study that was done two years ago through the University of Michigan, and I've plowed about two-thirds of the way through. And the findings of this empirical research done out of the University of Michigan's law school was pretty significant in terms of the bump up in employment opportunities for folks who have set aside their convictions. Some convictions are just, you're not able to set those aside. Criminal sexual conduct is one of those, and we get a lot of requests, or at least our office at Mills gets requests about CSC and setting aside the CSC. The only CSC that can be set aside is that in the fourth degree, and it would have had to have occurred before 2015. Otherwise, the state of the law here in Michigan regarding criminal sexual conduct in the sex offense registry, truthfully, right now is just a mess. And the ACLU is getting ready to go up with their third, hopefully, class action, dose three, mm -hmm. looking at that. I guess I also think about setting aside convictions as part of the social determinants of health. And when you look at the social determinants of health, you're looking at employment, you're looking at housing, you're looking at education, you're looking at those types of exterior forces that affect and influence our health. And so certainly, as Anna's referred to, if we can help somebody get a jump up in the employment sector, especially right now with COVID running amok and the labor market really hurting for people. I just think that's... And that's really been something we've been emphasizing in our applications. We've had some folks that they're highly skilled, very needed skilled, super experienced, glowing letters of recommendation from their employers and from their colleagues. But just because they have a conviction, they can't like move to that next level 
even though they're desperately needed. And we're really leveraging on the fact that we're in a market where labor is so needed, especially these skilled, experienced laborers. We really emphasize the benefit to society and community as a whole by allowing the people with these skills to fill these jobs. And another thing we look at, too, is the social determinants of health as to family. A lot of the time we have folks who have family, have kids, have people that they care for. Maybe they care for elderly parents or other family members or whoever it is. And by improving their employment, improving their income, improving those things, you get this cascading effect to the rest of their family. So allowing this one person to get an expungement could potentially benefit the lives of dozens of people, if not more, immediately. Absolutely. And I guess another area in which we're seeing this help folks is with housing, because Mm -hmm. if you're in subsidized housing, HUD has some pretty stringent rules about who can and cannot live there. So that if we're able to set aside some of these convictions, we hopefully improve the odds of quality housing for folks. You also mentioned, Anna, and Camus, feel free to jump in, but what I tell clients is we're getting ready for the hearing, and throughout the whole process, I start having clients think about their story. What happened? What led up to the events that caused these convictions? And what's changed? So I see some folks, some of our clients, they will tell me I was young and dumb and stupid. And so, okay, we get young, dumb, and stupid, and we can work with that. We get folks in that have convictions for assaultive-type behavior or domestic violence. What happened? What's changed? Have you been through, as Anna pointed out, counseling? Have you learned what your triggers are? that sent you off into orbit and caused you to hit somebody. What are you doing to recognize those triggers? And that's the story that I want to, and I do get in front of the judge, because that's what they want to hear, that you've learned from your mistakes. And if it were substances, which a lot of these are, we're finding a lot of alcohol fuel, what have you done to minimize the use of alcohol or other substances so that you're not back here in another couple of years. Mm -hmm. And I think another thing to really keep in mind, just because you get an expungement from your record, it doesn't mean it totally goes away. The judge can still see that. So say someone does get an OWI expungement of the new law, and then they end up back in that judge's courtroom with another that judge is going to see and it's going to charge as a second offense and might even go harder on the individual because, hey, I gave you an expungement. You told me you were sober or a situation of that nature, I, I think, is very foreseeable. So keeping in mind, even if the record is gone from the public, say an employer couldn't see it, if they were running a background check, the police and the courts can still see those. Right. Assuming it's on the lien. But the other issue that we're experiencing are that some employers pay independent contractors to access their database. And those private commercial databases troll the lien system and they troll whatever credit reporting services. So your conviction is never truly really gone, especially if you've been on social media and advertising your convictions. (laughs) Those are never gone. 
Anna also brings up a good point with driving offenses. Under the statute, even with the amended changes this year, the Secretary of State cannot, cannot expunge any driving-related offenses. And that's pretty clear in the statute. So if you expunge some driving-related offenses, it'll disappear off your lien, but it's not going to disappear off your driving history. So just keep that in mind. And again, the statute's really clear about that. What else can you think of here, Kamu, before we get into some of the barriers and roadblocks? Well, I would just, just to piggyback on that point, Laura, I'm sure you guys have come across this. You have people who have heard about the fact that the governor signed the new DUI law, and they think that that law has gone into effect. But as you correctly pointed out, that will go into effect in February of this year. The other thing that people often kind of confuse, and you were kind of alluding to it, is the fact that that person may have some type of sanctions that they're facing as a result of their DUI. So they may not have a license, or they're trying to restore their driving privileges, and they assume that by expunging the DUI conviction, that will then restore their driving privileges. And one of the things that we've tried to emphasize to those people is that there is a separate driving restoration process through the secretary, which they would need to follow and adhere to in order to restore their driving privileges, as opposed to simply expunging a driving offense from their criminal record. So I think that's one of the key things that I would just kind of emphasize to people especially as we get closer to this new DUI law going into effect, that there is a distinction between restoring your driving privileges and then expunging a driving conviction from your record. Agreed. Agreed. And Camille, you originally mentioned as part of the process, then the completion of the application to set aside convictions. And again, In theory, you don't need an attorney to do any of this. You can access the forms at michiganlegalhelp.org or through the Supreme Court of Michigan, SCOW, through their database, their form database. But that being said, I think at this point, just listening to the three of us, it's not as easy as people would think it should be or needs to be. It is a process. And that's, I think, what we've been running into with folks, especially Michigan Works. We're getting apps in and we're getting a lot of people ready to go for February once the new law takes effect for the OWIs. Right now, you know, we were discussing there's about a six month waiting period to get uh, the response from the Michigan State Police and the court cannot have a hearing until that response is received. Right. And the response that Anna's talking about is as part of this process, When we file that application to set aside convictions, the statute requires us to have a final criminal background check done by Michigan State Police. And the Michigan State Police not only have access to lien, but they've also got access to the federal databases. 
so that if there are federal offenses that don't necessarily show up on lien or out-of-state convictions, they will know about it. And as Anna pointed out, and I learned last week in talking with a circuit court administrator out of Wexford County, Michigan State Police are now requiring six months to clear people, which is, again, a barrier. Cost has also been a barrier in that right now the Michigan State Police run a fingerprint check for each court that you have a conviction in. So typically what I see with our clients, and I think Camus and Anna probably see the same thing, at least up here in northern Michigan, we see folks that have convictions from throughout the state. So we have to get certified copies of their judgment of sentence. That's usually about 10 to 12 bucks per judgment of sentence. And then we need to have fingerprints done and a criminal background check done for each conviction out of each court. Michigan State Police charges 50 bucks per court at this point for fingerprinting. And we have at Michigan Indian Legal Services taken that up before the attorney general and said this is cost prohibitive. And in fact, just as an FYI, you guys, in Kentucky, the Supreme Court of Kentucky or the Commonwealth of Kentucky recently held that there should not be any fingerprint fees associated with setting aside convictions. But be that as it may, that's Kentucky, not Michigan. Well, if I could jump in real quick on the fingerprint side, we understand that being a cost issue. Over the next several months, Michigan Works is going to be putting on a total of four expungement fairs. And you do have to make appointments, but there are going to be fingerprint services at those fairs. It free. And that's through Camus' organization, Safe and Just. So we will be able to supply folks with the needed fingerprints at no cost to them. And it really just depends. It's my understanding some police will charge a lot of money to do it, and some don't charge anything, or some charge a much smaller fee. So really just looking around and finding, you know, where is it going to be the most affordable to... Yeah, and you bring up a good point, too, regarding the fingerprints, because, and that's certainly been a barrier, Mm -hmm. the cost associated with obtaining fingerprints, but it's also been a barrier in terms of who provides the fingerprints, Mm -hmm. because here in Grand Traverse County, for instance, they don't do the old ink-rolled fingerprints anymore. It's all what's called live scan. It's all digital. And the Michigan State Police are very adamant and very firm in wanting the old-fashioned ink rolled. So we've had some issues being able to locate providers that can handle the ink rolls. And hence, it's Camus bringing up folks from, where is it, Holland or Zealand? Zealand. Zealand. A private vendor. Yeah. So those are some of the barriers that we've encountered. Other barriers that y'all can think of that you've encountered, Anna or Kamal? Well, what I would say, this isn't necessarily barriers. Well, I guess it's more of a socioeconomic barrier in the sense that these expungement fairs, at least the ones that I've been a part of, we tend to go into areas of a community that have traditionally been 
disenfranchised or have lacked access to the legal community. And I think that's one of the big benefits of putting on these fairs because you're essentially going out to the community, you're bringing in attorneys, and then people can then go and just meet with those attorneys, determine their eligibility, and hopefully that attorney can assist them with filing their expungement paperwork. So the expungement fair in and of itself helps remove the barrier in terms of access to resources that the people in that community otherwise may not necessarily have. Kamal, you bring up a great point. And because of this being Northwest Michigan in a rural area predominantly, we know that there's a dearth of attorneys that will work with the marginalized communities. And so as part of the process with the statute, Michigan Works was one of the state agencies charged with this. And for Michigan Indian Legal Services, there were no other attorneys or law firms that were willing to do this for financially eligible folks. So that Michigan Works and Michigan Indian Legal Services and Safe and Just Michigan are all collaborating to provide these services to a 10-county service area here in Northwest Michigan. Kamu also mentioned, and Anna's mentioned too, four expungement fairs. The first one will be January 29th down in Manistee at the Michigan Works Office down in Manistee. Kamu will be up. Anna will be there. I will be there. Some of my support staff will be there to help. We are asking that folks call and pre-register. We will require masks, and you will be required to sanitize your hands coming into the building. If you are sick, we ask that you stay at home. COVID is just really running amok right now here in northern Michigan and in this service area particularly. I believe the time is from 10 to 2 that day. Am I correct in that, Kamal? Yes, yes, you're correct. The only fair that isn't 10 to 2 is the Traverse City. I believe it's 9 to 2. Yeah, and so the Traverse City expungement fair in March will be, as Camus indicated, beginning at 9, and we'll be hosting that at Michigan Works office on South Garfield. And again, mask will be required. And we just really strongly encourage you to pre-register. Our second one will be in February at the Odawa Hotel in Petoskey. Again, mask and hand sanitizing is required. That one is also from 10 to 2. And the Cadillac location has yet to be decided. Yeah, we had a location and now we need to find a new location. So So, we're working on that. So if anybody out there listening has thoughts or suggestions for a venue, a safe venue in Cadillac, give us a shout. You can pre-register a couple of different ways. You can go to the Mills Facebook page and we have registration set up through our Facebook page. You can also call the Michigan Indian Legal Services Office, and that number is 231-947-0122. 
and our support staff will take you through the eligibility. And if you financially meet our income guidelines, and for Mills, that's less than 200% of the federal poverty guidelines, then you'll stay with Mills. If your income is over that, then Anna at Michigan Works will be taking over. And again, we're both working collaboratively. We get together at least once a week, sometimes more frequently by phone or Zoom. So you will be seen and taken care of. And Camus will, like I said, be up here to help with the fairs and help counsel folks as well. If folks want to register through my works, Anna, how do they go about doing it? Reach out to your local office and they'll have you fill out some initial paperwork and get you in touch with the expungement coordinator. Then they'll get a copy of your iChat and send that over to me and then we'll take a look at eligibility. Correct. And Camus, how can folks register through Safe and Just Michigan? So we have a Facebook event. And in fact, I believe Mills is a co-host for that Facebook event. So you can pre-register that way. The link is right on the Facebook page. So you just have to click on the link. And then I believe it takes you to the actual Mills website where you can enter the appropriate information in terms of pre-registration. So our goal with all of this is when you come to see us at the fair, we've already made a determination about eligibility to set aside your convictions. So if you're looking at Michigan Indian Legal Services to help you out, then we've also made a determination about financial eligibility. We want this to be as pain-free as possible and is confusion-free, so we're trying to really emphasize the pre-registration so that we can work out these bugs beforehand and route you to the appropriate agency. I just know we've discussed a lot of things today that can, for a layperson, be difficult to follow along with, and I think really just encouraging folks, if you have convictions, look into getting them expunged because there's a wealth of money and resources out there right now for legal services that might not be there in the future. We don't know how long fundings and things will keep up for all of this. So take advantage of it while you can. Even if you're not currently looking for a new job or you're happy where you are, you never know what could happen. So take advantage of this while you have the opportunity to take advantage of it. Number two, I know it can be scary and intimidating because there's all these legal terms and we're talking about all these tests and thresholds and judges and waiting periods. That's why we are here. Laura, Camus, and myself, and all the other folks in our respective organizations that we're working with, we are here to help you navigate that whole mess of this process. So come to us and we will be your guides. Camus, any last parting words? Yeah, I just wanted to piggyback on the point you made about pre-registration and why it's important. In the fairs that I've been a part of in the past, we normally have extremely long lines and we have people waiting in those lines. And quite frankly, they'll wait three or four hours only to be told you're not eligible. All right. And so the benefit of pre-registering is we can run your iChat ahead of time and we can determine whether or not that person is eligible. So, you know, in the past, we've had people, for example, with 
10 or 11 felonies waiting in line for four hours, right? Only to be told, hey, you're not eligible. So if nothing else, it's extremely, we, we, we encourage everybody to pre-register just so that you don't waste your time waiting. I'm not saying you're gonna wait for four hours, but the nature of these events is such that there may be a wait time. And so I would just emphasize to everyone to pre-register as Laura and Anna mentioned. Well, thank you all for listening. We hope to see you at one of our expungement fairs. And again, pre-registration information is available through Michigan Indian Legal Services website, and it's MILS3, the number 3, M-I-L-S-3.org. You can also find information on the MILS Facebook page through Safe and Just. And Kamu is correct. We are co-hosting the Facebook page and event registration with Safe and Just Michigan on our Facebook page. And you can also call our office at, again, area code 231-947-0122 and talk with one of the support staff there and do an intake and we'll get you pre-registered. And Anna mentioned calling one of the My Works offices in this 10-county service area. We'll send Mark the 10-county service area that we're targeting. Again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to The Pursuit of Podcast, The Pursuit of Michigan Clean Slate Law. For more information and to pre-register for the expungement fairs, visit milS3.org or nwm.org forward slash expungement fair or call milS at 231-947-0122. The dates for the expungement fairs are Manistee Fair at the Michigan Works Office, January 29th, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Toski Fair at Odawa Hotel, February 19th, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Traverse City Fair at the Michigan Works Office, March 26, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. And the Cadillac Fair is to be determined, but April 23rd, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. The 10 county service area is Antrim, Benzie, Charlevoix, Emmett, Grand Traverse, Kalkaska, Leelanau, Manistee, Misaki, and Wexford counties. Assistance may be available for people who have convictions in other counties throughout the state. $50 court fingerprinting fee. This goes to Michigan State Police, plus cost of obtaining certified copies of your convictions. Bring your ID, a Michigan driver's license, state ID, or tribal ID. Masks and social distancing will be required. If you are sick, please stay home. Set aside convictions. Move on in your life.